Galimera, Galispera, Galinichta, no matter where in this wild, weird and beautiful world you might be, thank you for making the Highbury Squad part of your day. Take a deep breath. What a weekend. We'll start with the negatives and then we'll move to the positives because there are still plenty, everyone. Let's rock and roll. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Good evening, boys and girls. Good morning, good afternoon, no matter where in this wonderful and weird world you might be. Thank you so much for making the Highbury Squad part of your day. It has been a while. Matt Roberts, it's been a while for us too. <laughs> uh, just so you know, um, hope everyone is doing well. Uh, we have an epic show lined up for you tonight. Um, good to see you too, Ian. Uh, good evening, Mark. Uh, hey, Guna Works, Amira. Uh, we got G Dog. We got Stephen in the house. We have Tammy, our chief like officer. We got Demsec here, who survived Guna We're going to have to get him on the show so he can tell us how his Guna experience was. I'm sure it was pretty epic. Lone Star, hello. Uh, Tammy has said that this is her first podcast since the weekend. She had a total media shutdown. I do not blame you. Uh, Greedy Man TV, um, all of you who are here, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Carol is here. I hope your swim this morning was swimmingly perfect. There are going to be a lot of you who are watching the uh, Merseyside Derby and many of you who will be listening on replay. And to those on our audio platform. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in as well. Uh, Natalie Sawyer will be with us in just a few, and we will be talking about Arsenal v Brentford, a game that I am sure many of us would like to put in the rearview mirror, but I will not let it go. No, I will not. Absolutely not let it go. Thank you, Marcus. I just wanted to start out by saying thank you so much for all of your kind messages. You know, we have a platform here where we talk honestly about um, life and when, you know, my listeners share their world with me, I want to share it with you. And I thought that maybe we could have a little bit of a conversation about what is going on at the end of the show after we have talked about all the football. But let me just tell you that been absolutely blown away by your kindness and your support. Uh, following the message that I shared with all of you over the weekend. So we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show. Uh, right now, I welcome one of the queens of broadcasting, first class broadcaster, the host of uh, Talk Sports Weekend Breakfast, a Brentford fan. We won't hold that against her because she's an epic human as well. Welcome to the show, a very good friend of the show, and one of my favorite humans, Miss Natalie Sawyer. Hello. Well, how are you? So nice to see you. You look fabulous. What have you been up to today, looking fabulous this fine Monday? You know what? You mentioned the weekend sports breakfast show that I do. I've spent a lot today sleeping. <laughs> I've been sleeping. 
my hair's a bit of a mess because I washed it and then I was I just left it to dry as it is. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've really done very little today. Well, you look amazing um, and wonderful, and I'm sure that you're super happy with the result of the weekend. And wanted to get stuck into that with you. Now, as you know, Super Kev was called. His mission is to cover the Merseyside Derby tonight, which will get our listeners out um, so they can watch the second half. Um, and Natalie, I'm going to start the show by playing Kev's questions to you because okay. I think it's going to help us figure out and navigate what the heck happened at the <laughs> weekend. Here we go. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Natalie. I hope you're well. Question for you as well as the Arsenal, um, Natalie. What did you think of the uh, the game, obviously, at the weekend? What did you think of the decision, the VAR decision? Mm -hmm. And where do you think Brentford will finish this season? Look after yourself. Respect to the squaddies. Have a good day. Bye. Ah, oh, cheers, Super Kev. He's so he was he was giving uh, Dermot Gallagher a bit of a rough time on the old telly this morning. Um, why don't we start with where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the VAR thing and just get it over with, or do you want to start with the fact that your team performed brilliantly, were unlucky not to win the game, but in the end, this controversy, Natalie, is overshadowing a good performance by you guys, masking some pain for us because we're so laser focused on the VAR bit mm. and, you know, not really paying attention as much to how many aerial do's, duels, um, Ivan Tony won against us, which was pretty brutal. Uh, Saliba had him in his pocket in September. Tony repaid him with the same <laughs> kindness. What happened at the weekend, Natalie? What is going on with VAR? Oh, gosh. Good question, really. I think it is the elephant in the room that we have to tackle first, though, isn't it? Because... Mm -hmm. Um, it was just a disaster, quite frankly. And, you know, you can't even say it was an isolated incident because obviously we saw it in the Crystal Palace Brighton game, something similar. I, I just can't understand really what the VAR officials were looking at. And they've got, let's not forget, they've got assistants helping them. So it's not like they're on their own and they've just missed it. They have other people there that can be assisting them and making sure they're, they're right across it. Now, by all accounts, they were looking at the Ethan Pinnock situation and forgot to look at then Christian Norgard, who, as we know, eventually won the ball, played it back in for, for Ivan Tony to score. Um, but like I say, it's, it's an absolute disaster um, from a VAR perspective. And do you know what? I try my best on our talk sports show to defend referees, Sophie, because mm -hmm. I think we get a lot of stick. Um, I don't think it's an easy job. It, it annoys me when I hear people slate referees as often as they do, because I don't think it's easy. I don't think the laws help either. I think the laws are so, oh, I mean, subjective. And and we're in that situation where we can, you know, we will all debate certain situations other than offside, of course, which is factual. Um, but yeah, I I wish I could say, you know, I don't, I wish I knew exactly what happened other than they've just missed it, um, which is in itself just... Oh, well, it's unforgivable, isn't it, really? It, it is. And for us, it's really extra painful, Natalie, because we've had two apologies and admitted mistakes now for our season. The first one was Old Trafford, um, the Odegaard uh, foul, and now the one against um, the Bees. And I don't think we can make excuses for, oh, we didn't win the league because, because there's 
38 games, there's every opportunity to win and there's, you know, plenty of times where you can lose. But when it's so blatant and they come out and they apologise and they admit they made a mistake, what do you think should happen next? Because I put this notion out that maybe the 20 minutes should be replayed behind closed doors. Uh, Brentford should be given the opportunity, the same as us, they could have scored another goal. It felt like it was going that way. Uh, maybe we could have scored a second. How do you rec- how do we reconcile this when they admit that they've made an error that could have cost you guys, but in this instance, it could have cost mm-hmm. us, right? And, and maybe like gravely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I look, I completely understand why Arsenal fans are furious, and you have every right to be. You know, you're in a winning. As position. should Brighton fans and Chelsea fans absolutely. be today, by the way, right? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Of course. I think it's, I mean, I'm trying to look at this in an unbiased way because I'm a Brentford fan, obviously, Mm -hmm. we're talking about it. Um, I I think it's a dangerous road to go down if you want to start replaying, like even just a spell of a game, because I think you're taking away elements that were involved in that initial game. So, you know, as much Mm -hmm. as you're saying, you know, play it with no fans, well, in a way that would you if you were to lose that game in, in that 20 minute spell, you might then come out and say, well, actually, we didn't have fans. We didn't have the backing. So I think it's, it's difficult. I think it's unfortunate that you have to just accept that they've made a mistake and mm-hmm. by the fact that you, you've just got to get on, get on with it. Like you've also said, you know, your season will not be based on that one result because, again, that goal for Ivan Tony didn't come right at the end of the game. It wasn't full time straight away. There was still time in the game for either you to go on and score or likewise Brentford could have equalised mm-hmm. had they disallowed that goal. So that's infuriated me a little bit when I've seen Arsenal fans saying that's denied them a victory because... We don't know what would have happened. No, I, I agree with that part totally. Yeah. Um, and I do think ultimately Brentford did deserve to get something out of that game. Um, and if, again, if you really want to go down to the nitty gritty of, of certain situations in that game, without doubt that that offside goal should, obviously should not have been given. And that is the criminal part mm-hmm. of that football match. But obviously there was the Brian and Burmo situation where a foul was given, which clearly wasn't a foul. And yes, the, the ref had blown the whistle. So therefore... There was no, it was never going to be a goal that was going to be overturned. But Brentford could even argue, well, hang on, let's go back to that spell in the game and start restart it there mm-hmm. if you really want to be, to be fair on it. So I don't know. It's a really hard one. I completely understand why you're angry and you're coming up with all these other suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it ruined a very interesting game. And, yeah. you know, in September, uh, we bullied you. And you clearly took notes the same way we did since the first game of two seasons ago. There's this little Arsenal-Brentford thing that has been brewing, hasn't it, Um, since you beat us uh, when you arrived in the Premier League. Uh, But, you know, I I don't want to sit here and rant to you about VAR. I'll do that when I let you go so you can watch the Merseyside derby. Because I did want to, no, I mean, it's so, it's so terrible. But at the same time, I feel for, I I can't stand Chelsea. I really can't. Mm -hmm. But that was just a blatant handball. I feel for uh, Brighton, who are doing so well this season and could have scored extra points. I feel for us. That's five points that we've kind of been robbed of. But what I don't want us to do is, I'm going to try and put it in the rearview mirror, but I also have to, like, you know, champion change Mm. Uh, you know there has to be an answer to it but let's talk about the actual football 
because I feel like Arsenal are going into a bit of dangerous territory. We saw it against Everton, a little bit against Manchester United, but we won that game. Saw it against Everton, saw it against you. And I just wanted to ask you, because I don't watch Brentford as much as you do, although they're fun to watch. When you play a team like us, do you always play in a low block like that? Do you? Is that how you set up? Not always. Um, if I take you back to the, the victory at Man City, that's mm-hmm. exactly how I expected us to play thought we'll just sit back and and bide our time and then hope we can counter at some point that didn't happen against City we were at it from the start we were at them from the start I mean if you were to look back at the highlights within I think the first seven minutes we had two chances in the game for example so it isn't we don't we do predominantly play a low block when we're playing teams like yourself because we know how difficult you are to beat Mm -hmm. um but we don't always there are games where we think there's a chance here we can go at them and um for some reason that happened against man city we just knew and maybe we learned from everton that if we make it difficult for you that that we might then may find ourselves with opportunities and we are very good from set pieces which i know our goal came from um so it was just making sure that we had the right opportunities to get ourselves into the game like we did with that free kick for example um but yeah i know what you're saying we don't it just it does depend on the opposition, but sometimes we'll play a low block, but then sometimes we'll just go for it from the start. It was uh, it was masterful, and you stifled us. And our problem is, and what I've found, and a lot of Arsenal fans have found since the Everton game, is that what is our answer to this? And we saw it with Newcastle, and that was the red flag where a lot of mm. Arsenal fans were like, "We're going to need to adapt because teams are going to play like this against us." right? Because we've been tough to play against. We're so creative, so fast. And I felt, I feel like, um, you know, we've, we're all behind Mikel Arteta, but with that same token, I don't know how you Brentford fans felt when you were watching the game, because I argued manically with Super Kev last Monday, Natalie, to say that he makes subs, but there's no change. It's like for like, there's no tweaking. And I just wondered what you and Tony um, have been talking about on your show post Newcastle Everton what you guys are seeing and if I'm not saying Arteta's limited at all because he's been phenomenal but I don't know if we have a plan B well that as you're talking that's exactly what I was thinking that's the issue there is no plan B um and it's funny because Mark Warburton used to be our manager and I always remember there were times mm. that he got, he would get asked questions of well you know what if plan A doesn't work what what what's plan B and he'd always say well, plan A has to work. That was it. So, which oh, is well, all, very yeah. well, all very well saying it, but it doesn't always work. Um, and actually, when you look at the course of the season, Sophie, plan A has worked pretty well for you. So It really has. You know, but- and without a doubt, you've been the best team that I've seen at Brentford, without a doubt. I mean, you completely, I mean, it was one of those games where I just wanted to leave because I just thought this is just awful. We are being torn apart here because as you mentioned there the the quickness of the way you're moving the ball around and it was just wonderful to see in a way um Mm. but yeah I think it is down to not having a plan b and that's and that might just be because Mikel Arteta just has faith in this team and it's only now that it's starting to come to the fore where we're starting to see actually he's going to have to start thinking about well what do we do if it's not working um and that is the big question, really. I don't know. But um, he's certainly not going to do that against Man City, is he? Because he's got to play 
the way they've been successful all season. Yeah. I mean, it was good to see Trossard come on and have an immediate impact. And that's what Arsenal have needed, right? Jesus, Zinchenko, we got players that can have an immediate impact Premier League experience. Trossard came on, did a really good job. I, I still think like, who's scared of Fabio Vieira? No one. You know, there's still some players that we have that aren't those game changers that we want them to be. But one of the players that had your fella in their own pocket um, in September, he reciprocated. And I just wanted to, I mean, geez, is he like a Marvel <laughs> comic book character right there? He, Saliba had him embarrassed in September, but my goodness, did Ivan Tony take receipts and wanted to cash them in in this <laughs> game? He was absolutely ridiculous. His physicality I mean, we we played Haaland in an FA Cup match yeah. and never saw or experienced any of that. Um, the value of him to your side, invaluable. Oh, without a doubt, which is why we're all worried about what's going to happen when this FA charge and, and whatever, you know, comes to the fruition. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he has been invaluable. And, you know, strikers are always judged on the goals that they score. And obviously, he's having a fantastic season. He scored 14 goals in the Premier League. He's the third highest top scorer. So... You know, we can't even argue that he's not having a good season. He's having a terrific season. But what he does in the team to, like you say, bully oppositions, the way he is a link-up play, you know, he, him and Brian and Burma just have this wonderful relationship that they've developed over the time of being together. Um, but not only that, you know, when you're when we're defending set pieces and court, all the likes, corners and everything, Ivan Tony's one of the first that gets to the ball. You know, he's just so essential to our team in everything that we do. Um the only, I suppose, negative, and it's hard to even say it's a negative in a way because he's still so influential, it's just he's not fast. He doesn't have pace necessarily. Mm. Um, but that being said, doesn't mean he can't like put a put a shift in and, and get into the box when needed. We saw that against Man City. Um, but if he had pace, oh my God, he would be like one of the best strikers in the world. So I'm he's sure. a little bit like Olivier Giroud. <laughs> well, possibly, but I, not as imposing. No, maybe not I as guess. imposing, no. Um, I, I absolutely adore him. I just think he is absolutely phenomenal for us. And he just gets better and better all the time as well. I mean, when I, I was so envious, I have to say, because Jesus has been a wonder for us. And Kevin, I've said on the show, Natalie, and we talked about it with Tony and you um, previously, mm -hmm. like Eddie and Ketia, he can come in maybe for a few games, but then when you need something a little bit more against certain teams, he's a bit one-dimensional. You know, he seems more like a fox-in-the-box type player. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's steady Eddie, but... You could see in the Everton game, in this game, that he wasn't able to provide what we needed. And I'm not saying Ivan Tony would have. He definitely would have given us an option B, a plan B in the second half. Um, but it, it feels like a little bit, there's this, we built this fear factor coming to the Emirates. And since the Newcastle game, it feels like teams know they can go at us. Was that the general feeling with Bees fans that, seeing that game against Newcastle away against Everton, that maybe we're a bit vulnerable right now? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I I talked about it before, obviously, and, and said I'd be happy with a draw. And I felt like we could get a draw. Um, I still was fearful of you, absolutely fearful of you, because I know what you were able to do. And like I said, I saw you when you beat us so comfortably. Um, so I'm sure some, some fans would have gone with trepidation as well. But bear in mind the form that we're in right now, I think this is a team that's just 
confident of taking on anybody. And now, because we're 10 games unbeaten, which is just ridiculous for a team like Brentford in the Premier it's League. Amazing. Um, it's like, now I'm nervous every game. So I don't want to lose. <laughs> I like this feeling of, you know, not losing games. So every game now, it's just, oh, what's going to happen? Are we going to continue this run? So, um, yeah, I, th I think there was a little bit of hope that we could get something out of this game. Um, but I think that's partly based on how we're also playing, not just mm -hmm. the the sort of slight stutter you might have been going through right now. I think you guys are so much fun and such a great addition to the Premier League. The Premier League needs these arcs and the threads and it it just can't mm. always be about Manchester City and, you know, the decline of... Lip There's so many other good stories. Brighton, you guys, us this season, yeah. Newcastle, um, who haven't really spent the gazillions that everyone expected yet. And look what Eddie Howe has done. He's just a manager with players. Forget about who owns them and what people feel about that. You're talking about a manager in a dressing room with players who get ready to go out and play a game. And what he's done is quite incredible. I wanted to ask you about Thomas Frank because mm -hmm. he he seems to be not only such a super smart manager, coach, he's also feels like one of the good guys and I know that you have you're very fond of him um and Kev's question was what do you think Brentford could do this season um what what do you think they can do with Thomas Frank at, at the helm what, what what are the expectations um well obviously we're all talking about you know packing our suitcases for Europe next season um, <laughs> you know what it's I don't know, obviously, the answer. I think a lot will depend on what happens with Ivan Tony and, and when and if he gets a ban, which, of course, I think we all expect he will at some point. Are you disappointed with him? On Are you disappointed with him? Do you do you feel like... I, I don't know what um, Brentford fans feel like is the story behind the story. You know what? It's a hard one because we don't know the full facts. Now, I know he's there's a lot of charges hanging over him. I think it's, what, 230, 60 something bets? I can't yeah. remember. Exactly. All players know you can't bet on football, any form of football you can't bet on. They know that every year they get a refresher of all the laws, change the changes and all the basic laws that they need to know that just so you don't get in trouble, basically. Um, so, of course, there's an element of what were you doing? But until we really know what he was betting on, I, I'm sort of reserving my judgment, you know, um, in the sense that if he's mm -hmm. betting on, I don't know, a league, uh, the Brazilian league or, you know, leagues elsewhere, then uh, part of me thinks, do you know what, really? Can he really have an influence on that? I doubt it. Now, if he's betting on games he's involved in or and Brentford are involved in, then I can see why others would find that appalling. Mm -hmm. And I would also be of the thinking of what were you doing? Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, going back onto the original point, where when we find out what's happening to him, losing him will be massive. But hopefully, we can still ride a crest of a wave and finish a season strongly. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's such an imposing figure and so fundamental to what you do. Yeah. But at the same time, a little bit like losing Jesus, or you know, we can't just be a one-man team, right? You have to have answers, and you've got to be able to figure that out. It's a little bit harder though for teams like Brentford mm. to lose such an influential player. We've masked the pain with Eddie, but it's starting mm. to catch up with us a little bit now. Um, so it's much harder for you. All right, I'm going to get you out on these couple uh, questions. Um, Natalie Soy here, host of TalkSport Breakfast, um, such a elegant, super classy broadcaster. We adore her here on the Highbury squad. Natalie, 
Are we going to beat City on Wednesday? <laughs> it is, that is it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, huh? What do I think is going to happen? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it finished a draw, actually. Which, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think, um, don't get me wrong, I know obviously City come into it maybe a bit more confidence now having beaten Villa as they did and they look great in that first half in particular. Um, I, I just think you're going to raise your game. You just are, let's be honest. Um, and we can forget the FA Cup encounter because that just wasn't, I mean, you, you didn't need that anyway. So it's not not a psychological edge that the City bring into this game. Um, I just think, you know, I, I, there is something about the Emirates and I think you've got that's got to play into your hands. You're at home. So I, I can see that you can damage City. Likewise, they can do it to you as well. Um, mm -hmm. But I, honestly, I think it will, I, could, I think it will be a bit cagey. I think you'll end up at a draw. Yeah, I think, uh, you know what was really weird on, were you at the Emirates at the weekend? No, I wasn't. Okay, all right. So the, what was weird is that the atmosphere was the one of the quietest of the season. Yeah. And it seeped in a little bit in the Newcastle game. And I feel like our fans are feeling the nerves. Mm. And we're definitely going to need the 12th man and that siege mentality. I wanted to ask you this real quick. What do you think of Pep's siege mentality that he's built? Manchester City accused, of, you know, allegedly breaking 100-plus rules, and he's coming out all defiant, like, I don't know, something out of a gangster movie. Um, <laughs> I will not leave this seat. Like, the Don yeah. has spoken. Yeah. Deflecting everything. It's very genius, but at the same time, I found it a little bit of unsavory, like they're trying to act like this innocent mm. organisation. What What is your – it feels to me like this is my biggest fear – They'll go on a run. I've always said they can go on a run. You can never count them out because of him yeah. and the world-class players he has. What did you think of how he's responded to all of this stuff? I think City fans will absolutely love it. Of course they will. Because like you say, he, he could have quite easily come out and said, it's not my remit. I, can, I only talk about the team. I only talk about coaching. I don't talk about anything else. Um, but he didn't because... He obviously wants to defend his team. And and I think if I was a City fan, I would be buzzing hearing him say that. And buzzing hearing him say, I'm sticking around no matter what. Um, and and it, it helped in that Villa game. You, you heard the atmosphere. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I've been to Man City this season for that Brentford game. And I can't say the atmosphere was amazing. It was okay, but it wasn't amazing. From what I heard of that game yesterday, it was very different. And it like you say, it's that siege mentality. It's the mm -hmm. them versus us thing. And I think the the City fans have just gone, well, we've just got to get behind us now because no one else wants us to win. Nobody else wants us to do anything. Everybody's against us. I mean, I found it hilarious where he said basically all 19 clubs are against us. And <laughs> it's not like, it's not like saying, I don't think Brentford really are. We're too, we're too new to this Premier League. We don't team. care. But yeah, I don't. I can't imagine our representative in the in those meetings in with a swagger like, we're going to do City. I just can't imagine Brentford would do that. And I'm pretty sure a few other clubs would be likewise. They'd just sit back and just wait and see. Um, but mm. yeah, he's clever. He is clever, Pep. He knows how to manipulate things. And he's done that well in that press mm -hmm. conference. And it worked because the fans were brilliant yesterday from what I, the majority of what I heard from that game. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of is, they're not going to obviously have that same um, feeling at the Emirates because they're not mm -hmm. the majority of the fans there. So hopefully your fans can get back to being what they have been recently, bar a few mm -hmm. games, you know, I've mentioned. 
and I'm, I'm sure they will because this is the this is the game that they've got this to is make. it they have to you have to this for me is if we if we lose this it's over i really truly believe that i do because <laughs> we got to play them again at their gaff we, yeah. we cannot afford to lose this game that's it yeah. right yeah, I agree. I agree. um and it, 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 we've had our the everton loss to me i can i can accept drawing with brentford i can't accept drawing with brentford in the manner in which we mm -hmm. did because they made mistakes i don't accept losing to everton in the manner in which we did new manager bounce fine but we were awful mm -hmm. and i there's something there's i don't kevin won't buy fatigue you know we we're out of the cups now we've got europa league coming up you know this is what arsenal fans have been saying is our bench strong enough have we invested enough have we missed the boat again in january all of these questions are going to come up but if we beat them, it's another landmark win, Natalie. Mm. Beating Tottenham twice this season, beating Liverpool, beating Chelsea, beating Manchester United. You know, we've got Liverpool at Anfield. We never win there. We've got to break these ducks. We've got to beat them. I really yeah. believe we have to beat them because they've got the players and they've got more of the mental ability to take it to the end than we do. We're still yeah. a work in progress. Yeah, and that's it. And and so many of their players have been there and done it before, whereas mm -hmm. that's not the same for this Arsenal side, which that is a big factor. You know, it's a funny one, though. I, I, I say that and my other half, he used to play football and, and I'd always ask him questions about, you know, did the team crumble? Did they all feel the pressure? And he'll always say, no, you can't all feel the pressure. One or two might drop, one or two might, you know, lack a bit of confidence or just feel a bit fearful but the mm -hmm. whole team can't drop it just doesn't happen now don't get me wrong i mean you know one or two still dropping their form or dropping whatever it is in in a game can be a massive issue for a team that because mm -hmm. you need everybody on song but sometimes like, like with you were saying there kevin says fatigue's not an issue my my other half thinks pressure is not an issue it's not pressure isn't mm -hmm. a thing but it what is a thing is the experience have you got the experience to exactly. get yourself over the line? Um, I think actually some of the buys that that you've had this season have been brilliant because they're Premier League ready. And that's always the, the gamble when you're buying players from other leagues. Are they going to step up? Are they going to fit into this this uh, this league as, as well and as quickly as you need them to? So that's why Trossard made absolute sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the only fear I have for Arsenal is can you sustain it to the end of the season and and do you have the experience to get yourselves over the line we know city do but this is where Mikel Arteta earns his earns his money he's got yep. he's got to get it done um and like i say you've been the best side i've seen this season hands down so you in my eyes you absolutely deserve to win it but we also Man. know and city like you say are more than capable of just going on that annoying run yeah um, but if you and, and certainly this game this week, it's a must not lose. You cannot lose it. You just can't. Agree. Totally agree. Manchester United in it? No. I don't no? think so. No. I, don't get me wrong. They've had a brilliant turnaround in, in a short space of time under Eric Ten Hag. He's worked wonders with them. Um, I just, I, I'm not sure they're, they're there yet. Um, my fear is what's going to happen next season because I imagine they're just going to strengthen. Likewise, you imagine yep. City will, Liverpool will have to, Chelsea will just continue to spend money because they just were stupid Ridiculous. like that. Um, and then where do Arsenal fit in that? Because you're going to have to strengthen if everybody else is. So in a way, this is your best time to win the league. 
knowing that <laughs> everyone's got to be better. They've got to be better. They do, season. Natalie. And if you are not a Manchester City supporter, every fan in the Premier League should be rooting for the Arsenal <laughs> to win it in a pure fashion, old school style. That's it would it. be wonderful. Um, okay, so... Everyone can find Natalie here at Natalie Sawyer. You can find her every weekend hosting TalkSport Breakfast with Tony Catherino um, as well. And uh, sometimes deputising is Dean Saunders. I don't know how you cope with Dean, by the way. He's epic. Um, <laughs> He's, you ask Dean a question, he never answers it. He just goes down a completely different path. He does. He's hilarious. Um, okay, so here you go. We're going to get you out on this and you can go enjoy your Monday evening. Who's going to win the league? Oh, why are you doing this? No, notice by the way that everyone loves you here, including Jared. Yeah, oh, she's no. brilliant. So no, be careful. Exactly. I know exactly. I don't want to upset anyone. Oh, honestly, no, be honest. Down, it does all come down to this one game, doesn't it? This week's game, and I think whoever, if 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 there is a team that wins that game, I imagine they're going to go on and win it. I um, I I I'm nervous about the the end for you guys and the experience. Like I've said, yeah, I want you. I want you to win it. I actually I really do want you to win it. Because like I say, I think you've been brilliant this season. City have just been all over the place at times. Um, so my heart says Arsenal. Can we just go with that? Okay. I love that. Your heart <laughs> versus your head. That's a perfect way to end it. <laughs> exactly. Natalie, thank you so much for coming to hang out with us. Good luck to your Brentford. Um, they're great for the league. We hope you guys continue to do well for the rest of the season. And we'll maybe have a chat with you at the end to see how we wrap this puppy up. Absolutely. Love it. Thanks okay. for having Lots me on, Sophie. Lots, Lots of love, love, Natalie. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Excellent stuff from Natalie Sawyer, the host of TalkSport Breakfast. Please check out Natalie's stuff. She's brilliant. Um, and yeah, the heart, the head. She is an epic guest. She's an epic broadcaster. And we have another guest coming on right now. Um, and he's one of our favourites, an expert on French football, uh, author, journalist, and a good friend of the show, Matt. Welcome back. Hi, hi, Sophie. Great, great intro. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not epic, but that, but that was pretty good anyway. <laughs> you owe me um, a few bucks. How about that? You yeah. owe me, you owe me. Hey, listen, um, before we talk about the second part of the show, because I've been gagging to have a chat with you and, you know, um, you did a brilliant interview with Balogun and I can't wait for you to share, you know, of course, Everyone saw it, but the insights, like what you kind of grasp from, you know, spending time with the young fella. Um, real quick, I wanted to get your take. You cover French football, you cover world football. What did you think of the VAR stuff at the weekend, mate? Um, yeah, pretty shocking. Pretty shocking. Um, what did I think of it? I mean, I was saying to people today, I almost would have preferred it not to have, um, you know, been um uh, revealed that you know that the mistake was made and that the official forgot to check for that last offside um you know it, part of me you know as an arsenal supporter would have actually rather just think oh something happened um okay these you know the but but it's it's really hard to take you know when you think the guy just didn't do his job properly so um it's it's really bad i've been talking to some people out here in france we think the referees are pretty bad here in france but we also think that the the they're much better, or the French authorities have got VAR much, um, much better in terms of the way it's run. I think in the Premier mm -hmm. League, there's there, there's so much, um, there's so much improvement to do. Far too many mistakes. And, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's unacceptable. Like when yeah, you have the leagues, there's so much at stake, Matt, isn't there? Like at the top, in yeah. the middle, at the bottom, 
and yeah, you, just... you can talk about so you can talk about two points but and at the end of the season we'll be like oh did the two points matter but the fact is um arsenal are now going into the city game just three points ahead with you know under more pressure because city if they win they they, they move above us so i mean you know in the immediate situation mm -hmm. it's a massive massive swing really you know hopefully hopefully arsenal will get the job done on wednesday but um yeah it would have been nice to have five point lead Ah, oh, it would have. <laughs> um, and there's plenty of questions like this. Fergus Keating, um, Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. If you haven't checked it out, check it out with him and Guna Hilsey. Good evening, Fergus. What's Matt's view on Balogun? Is he ready for the Premier League yet? Those are questions that are coming in thick and fast. But before we get to all of those, why don't we have Kev's thought and question to Matt? And then we can just riff off that. Here we go. Squaddies, Sophie, Matt, I hope you're well. Question for you, Matt. Um, do you think Arsenal will keep following Balogun as a really important member of the squad for next season? And um, do you reckon he could actually do another season for a, a better team in France next season to go on loan again? A lot of big teams looking at him. I'm sure you're going to give everyone your thoughts about him anyway. So, anyway, those are my two questions. Look after yourself. Matt, Sophie, Squaddies, at ease. I love it. Um, so Kev does not have him starting, clearly. So Fergus's question about whether or not he can start in the Premier League, Kev is maybe thinking about him going out on loan. When we were looking a bit desperate when Jesus went down, and of course, Arsenal fans are very split on Eddie and Ketia. Mm. Um, they were asking maybe that Balogun should come back from his loan deal, considering how well he's doing. How did it go? Talk us through it first. What did you see from him? Give us the lowdown. Yeah, Kev, uh, great to see Kev. A couple of big questions he's, he's coming with there because it's not easy. It's not easy to answer like whether he'll be at Arsenal next season. I think there's going to be a lot of interest around him. Uh, meeting him was was a real pleasure, really positive experience. Um a young guy who is clearly like really, really enjoying life, enjoying himself uh, at the moment. And I think what, you know, what really came through is that he, he's a very open and, and, and bright boy. Um, he admits he's really struggling with his French. He was saying to me like, how have you done it? Like I'm doing two, <laughs> two lessons a week and it's just a nightmare. Um, but I, you know, the, I, it really came across that he made this decision to, to to move abroad. It wasn't his advisors. It wasn't Mikel Arteta. He wanted to try something. He's he's really enjoying the fact that he's the main, you know, the main striker. He's playing week in, week out. I think he's had a bit of luck as well insofar as the coach who is, uh, who's taken over in October. So he was the assistant at the start of the season. He's a, a, a an English stroke Belgian guy called Will Still. He's 30 yeah. years of age. Really interesting background. And clearly, Balogun and him have have struck up a really close relationship. You could see that um, there was a lot of respect. I spoke to the coach as well. There was a lot of respect between the two of them. Um, and I think they know they can do good things for each other's careers. I mean, you know, if Balogun keeps scoring, that's great for the young coach and uh, obviously uh, vice versa. So, look, he's... Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Really good answers. Um, he thought about, thought about the questions, He you know, and he gave... He, he gave good answers and it came across that he he was obviously frustrated at Middlesbrough because yeah it took him a while on on loan to sort of 
get scoring. He didn't start that many games at Middlesbrough. I think he didn't score till his 10th appearance and he'd only started yeah. a, couple, a couple of games or something. So, you know, from here, I think he got three in his first three games. Um, and that, you know, and that 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 really helped him. And it's a, an incredibly sort of multicultural team. They've got players at rounds from all over the country. So it's probably more English spoken on the on the training ground than, uh, than French. So, um, yeah, I went away from it thinking, oh, what a, what a top lad. Um, I'd love to see him playing playing for Arsenal. I, I, it, it, it's difficult to make predictions because I feel like he's he's at a stage where he's really enjoying um, being a first choice player. And I think I'm not saying that at 21 he would be expecting to start every game for Arsenal, but I think he'd be he'd be wary next season of sort of coming in as a third choice, if you like, behind Jesus and 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 Enketia. Let me ask you this question and tell me if you think I'm absolutely crazy and nuts. Because, you know, we see players, Matt, and you get a vibe from them and a feeling. And I've I've always felt whenever I've watched Balogun that he has a mix. He has a little bit of Ian Wright. He has a little bit of Kevin Campbell. He has, dare I say, and I'm not comparing, I'm just saying a little bit of Thierry Henry. He, he can score bangers. He can dribble. He can be a fox in the box. Mm. He seems to me to have more tools in his toolbox than Eddie. Yeah. Does he, is he a pressing forward? Can he play the way Arteta wants? Talk me through that a little bit. I don't want to compare them, but obviously look, he's, this yeah. we have to, right? I Look, I, I, what Eddie is doing uh, at the moment is absolutely brilliant. And I hope it continues and I hope he goes on and, breaks in right now I'm getting a bit carried away past but I hope he goes on and you know does does really really well but um I I yeah I think from what I've seen of Balogun from what I've seen of Eddie I and I always feel a bit hard saying anything against Eddie because he has he's sort of proven a lot of doubters wrong in the last six months but um I do think Balogun's got higher ceiling um his coach is saying he is a really complete striker it's what you're saying he's got you know he's got speed he's got aerial ability scoring goals with 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 both feet he can hold the, the ball up and he does press. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, you know, I, I was at the PSG game at, at the Parc des Princes where he worked his socks off and he mm -hmm. caused loads of problems to the PSG defence. It, it was interesting because um, he had two or three half chances in that game and uh, was a bit unlucky. I mean, or he snapped maybe at one or two, but they weren't easy chances. And I was thinking throughout the game, I think if he gets one chance, he's going to bury it, like a proper chance. And um I was talking to so the coach, uh, the Rouse coach, and he said, yeah, as soon as Balogun was played through, this was in the 96th minute, he said, I knew it was a goal. I knew it was a goal. And I said, oh, come on, 96th minute. Wow. He'd been running his socks off. He must have been exhausted. He goes, oh, no, no, but we'd worked on it for the game. We knew what Donnarumma does in one-on-ones. I knew he'd put it away. I was like, okay, that's, you know, it's pretty pretty confident. And, um, yeah, he, he is exuding that sort of confidence, though, at the moment. You give him a big chance. doesn't matter if it's the last minute against, against PSG. Um, and in that game, yeah, in that in that game, that you know, the the pressing game was was really really apparent. So yeah, I think he I think he's got the tools in his box. I think he's, you know, he's he's not the finished article at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny you mentioned Thierry Henry because I wanted I, he talked to Henry that night because Henry was working at the uh, PSG game and he Balogun told me he spoke to him for about twenty minutes before the game, which was which was quite interesting. Um, and Henry. I was near him, near Omri in the press stand, and Omri was really happy when Balogun scored. Oh, that's so awesome! I love yeah. that. That 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 was that was really nice. Um, but I was kind of thinking, well, I was going to ask him like, who's your role model and stuff? And uh, 
he's too this this makes me feel so old but he's kind of too young to have watched Thierry in his prime do you know what it's I mean craziness so, yeah yeah players are already too young to have watched Thierry and what's quite funny he talks about the Brazilian Ronaldo um it was obviously you know he's watched YouTube videos but then the more the role model he talked about was Kylian Mbappe and that really made me feel up he says he watches <laughs> he watches Mbappe and you know how he plays and tries to learn certain things but why not he's a good guy to watch um yeah yeah, because that's the key, isn't it, for a lot of Arsenal fans is, you know, can he offer that at this time to this team? So the juxtaposition, and Matt, you have to deal with questions like this all the time. I love this picture of you two together, by the way, mm. um, is Liga versus the Premier League. Now, we all know, I think sometimes people mistake, OK, the Premier League, the best league in the world, is most exciting, most successful you know, sometimes the football can be crap and it has been at times. You know, Bundesliga fans will argue that their league is the best. Liga has been called the Farmers League. OK, we've seen how that goes. But we've also seen Arsenal players come from there, go there, do well there, right? So he's doing this in Liga. And the number one argument from Arsenal fans will be like, well, if he was starting up front for us this season, he would never be doing that in the Premier League. Why? He's the same player. OK, systems, competition. Is, is Liga really that disrespected for people to question that he scored more goals than Mbappe and Messi and Neymar and yeah, I don't know I think if you you know if you if you tweet something about a league and player you get you know, I don't know who these people are like 15 year olds who, who you know never go out or whatever go, ah, farmers league farmers league or whatever you know and it gets a lot it gets a lot of stuff but I actually I feel like talking to people in the UK I, f I feel like they respect the fact that this guy's top scoring league up they don't see that as you know just a, like a small achievement um Maybe that is also because of his age and the fact that he hadn't, you know, he hadn't done much, hadn't scored many goals before this season. Um, and it is something that really annoys me because look, there are players who who do badly in Liga and move to the Premier League and are really good. And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm quite a sad bloke. I spend my time like noting down these these, these players' names so, <laughs> so, so I can like, oh, what about him? You got what on your him? list, he's on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got my list. He's oh, on your list. Yeah, I, 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 Leon players generally, like Joachim Anderson, <laughs> play, players like that. He was awful for Leon. But there are, you know, you've caught me. You've caught me a little bit cold. But I could get. I, I, I next time I'll, I'll read a list sure. of players yeah, who yeah. better yeah. in the Premier League than in Ligue 1. But um, no. But the thing is, what I'm saying, Sophie, is there are so many different factors. It's about languages. It's about arriving at a club at the right time. The club that want you. The club that don't want you. And I was also I was looking at Nick, Nicola Pepe's stats have improved slightly in the last couple of weeks. But I was gonna like, gonna I was gonna give out like on Twitter the goals and per minutes and stuff because he was actually doing worse at Nice than he did in England. And obviously, you know that's not good. Obviously for Arsenal's loanee, he's not he's not doing particularly well. No, you know? no, it's not. Now they've changed the coach. Maybe think things will pick up. But it, you know it's not it's not just about moving leagues. It's about so many different things. Um, so look, um, I. I yeah, uh, I predict. Would you? I've, would I've, should Arsenal keep him? Like, I mean, I think Arsenal yeah, fans, of because of the season try. that of he's they having, try, they yeah. want to keep. They want. They want to keep this young man. Um, Arsenal fans definitely do, uh, but it's not going to be up to us, of course. Um, but when you look at Saliba, okay, so let's talk about that model real quick, right? Saliba and his loan periods did in the yeah. world of good. Okay, he's not that great right now since post World Cup plays go through ups and downs in a season it's a little bit alarming if I'm going to be honest but I mean 
when Jesus do, but that wasn't is calculated. I've said that, you know, Sophie. That was no, you Arsenal, you have. Arteta didn't. Arteta didn't want Saliba. Arteta, and you know, and he's he's he's. But we're not going to go back through all that. He's kind of fallen on his feet because Saliba came back and obviously did really well and started in August and. Arteta had no choice but to keep him. Anyway, I don't want to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. When he he, he was at Marseille, yeah, 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 yeah. We've done that. Balogun's different. I don't, you know, I think, I think Arsenal definitely feel like he's a player who needed more, more experience um, Mm -hmm. and wasn't ready, perhaps still isn't ready for the Arsenal first team. Um, But I think they need to keep him. I think that there's going to be a decision to make this summer because I think it's. If I'm not mistaken, his contract is out in 2025. So he's mm-hmm. got two years. So it's like either he extends and either goes out on loan or stays at Arsenal or Arsenal will need to sell. And yeah. It, a lot of Arsenal fans too are like, you know, um, we didn't buy striker because maybe Balogun will be the guy. Um, you know, age, people keep talking about age, but then you see young players like, uh, okay, you know, Foden, there's something going on there right now, but there are young players in the league uh, look at Saka, for example. He's given a chance and he's he's run with it. Emil Smith-Rowe, injured now, but given a chance, they run with it. Um, Arsenal, of course, love a Haylender, and that means a lot to us. He also seems like a really ambitious guy. So mm. I'm going to rattle off these questions for you. <laughs> he's met, I'll just interrupt you once. He's, he's mates with Saka. That's what he told me as well. So like since the age of 10 or something. like. So Because I said, you know, what do you think? We're going to win the league and all this, and he says he talk, yeah, he's, he's talking to Saka quite a lot. So I mean, that's good. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent to hear. Did Did you get a sense that he loves Arsenal, like it's in his blood, or was he more was it more focused on? I need this is about me right now, and less about my love for Arsenal. This is about me trying to prove what I can do. You know, yeah, in a I've... league where there's some great players who are up for Ballon d'Ors and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I. I... Look, the, the the warmth and love for Arsenal was there definitely. Like when I talked about the season and what you know how how he's sort of keeping keeping tabs on everything and 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 what have you. But he felt like a guy, yeah. Who we, I mean, detached isn't the word, but yeah, he's focusing on his mission right now. Like mm-hmm. he definitely felt like, um, yeah, he was keen to focus on what's going on in 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 Rouse, and I think. You know, and it's natural. I think he's more excited about the fact that he's top scorer in France, and he, you know, and and he's having the best season so far in his in his career. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 a hard one to answer. That actually, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I, I he didn't sort of come across saying, you know, I'm desperate to to play for Arsenal and stuff. He sort of said, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Maybe um, smart, maybe a smart move, yeah. you know, um, yeah. more focused on the interview with you and his experience in France. Um, yeah. And mm. and I kind of like that you didn't, because, you know, with Saliba, it was always being pushed, the question. And then of, and then the interviews and Arteta, and there was this kind of, you know, tete-a-tete and everything. But with him, I'm glad that he's just there, he's enjoying his football, and yeah. we'll see kind of what shakes at the end of the season. But I do have some questions for you from our listeners. Okay. So you've been pronouncing, I think we've all been pronouncing this incorrectly. It's really hard, isn't it? Is it? Um, is it so Rams? I, I had to switch into what, French. Rams? Rams. 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 Clearing out the throat. Rams. Yeah. yeah wow. We've got a new Scottish commentator working for us and we told him to pronounce it like um, Rams. No, like Rams. Rance, like a Scot would say dance, but like Rance. Right, Rance. Rance. No, Rance. Rance. I don't know. Rance, yeah, Rance. <laughs> it's a tough one. Anyway, um, Rance, I would okay, say Rance. Okay, so yeah. 
Let's see. Mark's question is, why would Balogun sign a new contract with us just to go on loan again? Uh, that's probably the question he's asking himself, I would say. Yeah, I think that's a really <laughs> good question. Um, yeah, and I think, to be honest, I think Kev was asking about, you know, whether a big French club you know, might might be an option. And I think um, I think it, it, it might be an option, but I don't think a Marseille or a Monaco would want him on loan. I think they'd want to buy him. I think, you know, I think if it's a French club, I think, sorry, you know, a, a club that's playing in the Champions League or competing for the title, I mean, you know, they might, I guess, Marseille have taken Arsenal players on loan, haven't they? So they might do. Mm -hmm. But I do feel, yeah, I do feel he might be eyeing a permanent decision. Do you know what I mean? Either yeah, yeah. Arsenal yeah. or a permanent move away. Yeah. I mean, I would love for us to keep him and give him a shot. I think that Brentford game two years ago, like throwing, it felt like he were, he and Martinelli in that match were thrown to the wolves in a transitional yeah. Arsenal team that just had apathetic players who gave mm. zeros about playing for the club. It was almost like being set up to fail. Uh, Greek commander, a question to Matt. How long before PSG get bored of the cakewalk that is Liga? There's no challenge there. I assume they would push for Super League. Are they a super, they're a Super League endorser, PSG? No, no, no. They were no? against it. Yeah. They were mm -hmm. against the Super League. Um, is that the, the cakewalk that PSG, they've lost, well, they've lost four. They, uh, I mean, yeah, this is, month, the, yeah, against, so uh, this is the thing. Lens, Rennes, Marseille, and um, who's the other one? Anyway, yeah, so Cape Court, I don't know. No, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the, league, the, the league's good at the moment. I would say that, yeah, PSG are five points clear, but they're shaking and Monaco and Marseille are looking good. Um, I would say PSG have regressed, and I fear we might see that against Bayern Munich tomorrow because um, I want my French teams to do well. But, um, yeah, but the others are improving as well. So... I'm afraid they yeah. can't get bored of Ligue 1 because they're the French capital. They're not just going to go and play in, I guess, the Super League. Yeah, but they're, but they're against that. So. Yeah, and, and for some, they're, they're always going to be judged, aren't they, on um, on the Champions League. How much do you think Balogun is worth our stem sec? It's a good one. Um, at this moment in time, I mean, how much is he worth? Are we comparing him to, to Mudrik or Anthony? So, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, let's do no, that. I mean, Why not? Let's compare him to Mudrik. It's just, um, it's just the market is so mad, you know. I, I mean, he's a British player as well. So if he's going to go yeah. in the UK market, that's, I mean, it's massive anyway, but especially if it's a UK, trans, a UK to UK transfer. I mean, he's got to be... After the season he's had in the league he's had, surely he's got to be forty million minimum. I was going to say forty million. I think if he finishes league on top scorer, you're looking at sixty million. Yeah, I think at the moment forty million is 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 reasonable. If you're putting it on the Mudrit scale, given how many goals Mudrit scored for Shakhtar, or whatever, he's probably worth three hundred million. So I mean that's ridiculous, isn't it? Lone Star <laughs> says whatever clubs are willing to pay, which is always a good answer. We've got hundred million here because the Mudrit thing really has. Um, just kind of uh, Mark agrees with us 40 million, 100 million. I know, I mean. I, I've been a bit surprised like on, on Twitter, like reactions when I mentioned Balogun, a lot of, and again, I don't know who the people are replying stuff, but a lot of people talk about money. How much are we going to get from him? And I understand money is very important these days and the clubs take that on board, but this is a, a hail end kid and uh, yeah, you know, a 21 year old striker who's top scorer in France. You know, I, I think we should be looking to get this guy in the first team squad and totally regularly. He should be at least given a shot, I think. Um, Nuno, Nuno Tavares and... is doing well. We can sell him for 20. <laughs> uh, 
So Nuno, oh, it's okay. So I was going to do a quick fire bit at the end there with the Arsenal low knees and stuff like that. Um, let's uh, look at one real quick for you. Oh, this is a good one from Barry. What is he like when he misses a chance? Does it get to him or does he just plug on? Um, he seems to be a to player that is just always in the game. Never yeah. gives up. Yeah, totally, totally. I think because he's got big responsibility as well in this round side. They're not a team that has huge amount of the ball or a huge amount of pressure. Um, although in recent weeks they have been they've been playing some good football. But you know, he's a guy who even if yeah, even if he's not getting chances, he's still involved in the game. And I don't remember him. You know, obviously he's missed chances and he missed a few against PSG. I mentioned and you know his perseverance in that game was 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 incredible. So no, he's not a guy who who lets his head drop, not at all. No. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, let's see. Did this come up at all? Because he does country, have three options. I didn't ask him. Yeah, I didn't ask him. I thought that wasn't really the purpose. And, you know, yeah, didn't ask him. He's been playing, he's played quite a bit for England under 21s. I would, again, I don't know, but I would assume that he'd be keen to play for England. But yeah. Um, and the US are really trying to, to make that happen as well. Mm. Uh, a follow up from Barry, Matt, what would you, what, what would make him stand out in our team? What player is he similar to, not just Arsenal? How would you define him? Another good one. Yeah, it's really hard, really hard. Because they remember yeah. they're watching, yeah. uh, they've been watching yeah, under yeah. 20, like whatever games, right? They, they've not really, not every Arsenal fan is watching him play in Liga. No, week no, no, in, I understand, out. I understand. It's just like, yeah, comparing. I mean, he, he, he talks, you know, we talked about role models and stuff and he talked about how, like Mbappe and like Henri, he likes to sort of drift out to the left. He scored a couple of goals, sort of making darting runs from the left channel, playing somebody playing it inside the fullback and him running in behind. Um, it's really hard, though, to, who, who to compare him to. Um, is he a Rashford type? Is he is he more of a... He's more of a penalty box striker than Rashford. He, he, mm -hmm. he, that's the thing about him as well. He seems to know, he seems to get in the right positions. A lot of his goals have been real sort of uh, fox in the box types. Um, so, uh, not Rashford. Give me, give me uh, yeah, I, I, uh, Kevin Campbell. <laughs> I mentioned him at the beginning of uh, of the show. Yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, Kevin can Campbell. Do a bit of everything, yeah, yeah. Left yeah. foot, right foot. Yeah, and he, you know, I think his hold up play is getting getting much better. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to think about. It. I'm too tired to come up with that now. Was there a third part to the question? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sounds more like Henri. But I mean, he, I, he's I, a bit more physical than Henri. Do you know what I mean? He's a bit less. He's not going to go on 30, 40 yard bursts so much. You know, he's not much of a dribbler mm -hmm. like Henri. Um, although he is quick at over 20, 30 yards, but. Um, but you know he's not afraid of the dirty work. He really, you know, he'll um, he'll scrap for balls in the box as well, cause sort of problems to defenders more than I'd say an Omri would. I feel of, like his you know, movement is. I feel like his movement is yeah. superior to Eddie. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not, and it's not a slight on Eddie. I think Eddie's a great kid and he's smart, but I just think Balogun, seeing some of his goals and the way he's played, he just seems a little bit more elevated in the football mind than mm. Eddie which is why I think he might be a little bit uh, like a good option for us next season. I, I would have loved for him to come off the bench against Newcastle, Everton and uh, and Brentford, to be quite honest with you. That's the mm. part where Arteta, he's not, he's got these, he's got um, 
plays on the bench. And Kevin and I had an argument last Monday because I was like, there's no plan B. And he's like, of course there's a plan B. He makes subs. And I'm like, yeah, but he makes like for like subs and then doesn't tweak it just a little bit. We're very predictable right now. We're a bit too one-dimensional, especially when yeah, we're yeah. facing teams who play that low block, um, Matt. And we need think, a little I, I, bit I think more it's of good. intelligence. I think it's, I think it's good for Balogun that he that he wasn't called back in January. Um, I don't think it was something Arsenal considered. Well, they obviously considered it, but I, I don't think they spoke to Balogun about it. I think the plan was to let him play a whole season out there. I think he, he may have been able to help probably might well I I don't know but I in in the big picture I know it's hard to look at the big picture when you're in a title race because it's all mm -hmm. about now um but I think for him it's definitely much better to have that full season out there rather than come back and suddenly be a sub again and be asked to kind of play yeah. that, that 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 role mm. and also to be a full guy if in case things don't work out I would hate for that to happen to him after this yeah. confidence boosting building season in Liga where he's like you know just amazing i don't care listen i don't care what league you play in maybe some more than others but if you're scoring goals in the in liga and you're scoring more goals than mbappe you're a baller sorry mm. you are and i i i rate him really highly great one from lynn and it's coming from a few would you sell and ketia and keep balogun um no i mean you know, you need you need squads. I mean, the, the, you know, I'd, I'd I'd want them both. The difficulty is convincing the players. You know that that's the place to be. But I'd want them both, especially if we're playing in the Champions League, which hopefully we will be next season. Um, but it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult, especially if you know Jesus. He can play out wide, but he's not. You know, he's he's going to want to be the main striker. Um, so it could be tough to have to, to have three of them. Would I? So if if you're giving me the choice, like if if I want one at the football club. That's quite hard, but probably Balogun, yeah. I would agree with that right now. And, you know, that's not a slight on Eddie in any way. I just, mm. uh, like I said, I feel like he's a little bit uh, limited. Tebow, he's a good striker, but we need more than good. We need versatility as well. We need players to play the way Arteta wants, and it's, it's tough. As the games go on, it's going to get tougher for Eddie, especially if teams play us the way they they have in the last two or three games, Matt. Yeah, I know. I, I just think I think in two years, Balogun could be a top Champions League striker, and I don't think Eddie will be. You know, I think Eddie's doing the job now, and hope. I, it's it, it's it's like you're talking saying bad things about your children when you say something bad about Eddie, isn't it? I know. Like, <laughs> just you know, let's keep saying bad things, and maybe he'll keep just like outperforming Absolutely. and us all wrong. So, <laughs> okay, we'll get you out on these real quick fire ones. Um, Arsenal losing to Brent, uh, drawing, it felt like a loss. I'm saying losing, lost to Everton, mm. drew against Brentford, uh, City on Wednesday. What does Matt Spiro's crystal football say? It's really, really hard. Like, I, I, I think, look, I, I think this team's fantastic. And I think um, they're giving us a few sort of, you know, worries at the moment. But I think they're going to turn up. I think the Emirates is going to be absolutely electric and um i think this season we have been a better team than city and i think we're going to show that on wednesday do you make any changes good question i aim i try 
Yeah. <laughs> but you say good question just to buy time. I think, you know, yeah, I sorry, every question's been good. Um, I think, you know, I, possibly Trossard for Martinelli, possibly. I think, and, uh, I think the, the, the guys who are struggling, I think White, Ben White has been struggling but did better um, against Brentford. I think for me, Shaka and Martinelli, perhaps a bit of a sort of World Cup consequence. I don't know. I think both of them are not not what they were yeah. a while back. Um, yeah, Shaka's dipped, dipped a little bit in the last two or three games. Mm. Saliba's not been the same having since been, coming back. Martinelli hasn't. so good as well. I mean, Shaka mm -hmm. this season. But... Um, uh, yeah, Martinelli. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's people saying that he, you know, he misses uh, Jesus. I think that's true. Sometimes I feel we're not giving him the ball quick enough. And but I mean, Zinchenko well, plays differently too. So I don't know if yeah. if yeah. Gabby's, you know, he's tuned into it and we've seen it work. But I think there's just sometimes in it. Zinchenko didn't have a great game. I thought that Tierney no. should have been given a shot for the last 15, 20 minutes. You know, I don't know why Arteta is so reluctant to make those kinds of changes. I mean, it has to be a trust factor. I don't get it. I really don't. Okay, in a nutshell, you're leaving us now. Thank you so much for joining, right. Matt. Give us a Matt 30-second takeaway from your interview with Balogun. Flo Balogun is uh, a top lad, really, really nice guy, very... Very bright, very um, ambitious, um, showing, you know, showing, I think, a lot of courage to to move over to France. And um, I think he's making friends and he's impressing a lot of people out here in France. And um, I'm hoping he's going to be top scorer, but there's 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 a lot of pressure behind Jonathan David, Ben Yedder and uh, Mbappe is going to return from his little injury. So um, good luck to him. And if Arsenal don't want him, Lee Gan will will keep him. We love it. Matt, <laughs> you can find Matt uh right here, uh, by the way. And uh you can buy his book yep. um as well on Amazon. Le Lay Sacré Bleu. Sacré Bleu. Sacré Bleu. Sacré Bleu. Go check it out. I'm sure uh um, Chris from A Burkamp Wonderland has bought 10 copies already because uh, he loves your work and, of course, he's obsessed with French football. <laughs> but, Matt, thank you so much for jumping on with me. Enjoy the pleasure. Champions League return this week and we thank appreciate you. your insights and look forward to maybe having you at the end of the season with Super Kev to analyse what will happen with Balogun. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah? Thanks, Sophie. Fingers crossed for, for Wednesday. Let's Thanks a lot, it. mate. You take, take care. care. All you right. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Matt um, giving us the lowdown on Balogun. He just interviewed him um, a few days ago. And if you missed it, please go to Matt's uh, Twitter right there. You can see on screen at Matt Spiro and you can check out his work. This is a good one from Fergus. Get in the ground early. Bring your voice. Yes. Capo, Dan, me and the other noisy gooners will be by block five, six. Sing up for the Arsenal. We have to be the 12th player on Wednesday evening. This is the rallying cry, people. It is not over till the fat referee blows the whistle. There is still plenty of football to be played. We feel hard done by. We feel crushed. We feel like we were robbed over the weekend. But one of my favorite sayings, I only use the rearview mirror to check my lipstick. But... Also, when injustice happens, it is my Achilles heel. And I do believe Arsenal Football Club need to be louder about this. We need to complain about this. We need to make noise about this. We can't allow 
these dodgy referees to continually get away with doing a shit job. Think about how many times if you did a bad job at your job, you get a verbal warning, a written warning, and then you probably get fired, right? It's just unacceptable that at this level, we have someone who forgot to draw the lines. I mean, what is this? Feels like one of those old school BBC programs. Oh, I forgot to draw the lines, miss. No, 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 Mr. Mason. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you know how that goes. This has got to end and stop, and every Premier League club has to fight and do something about it. VAR was introduced to make the game a level playing field and get decisions right. And we just can't have this. We can't. Now, we don't know if Brentford would have gone on and scored another goal. We don't know if we would have gone on and scored another goal. The way the game played out, Brentford didn't score another goal. But something has to be done. We can't let this lie. Absolutely not. And I've seen some people say, move on from the VAR thing. No, you can't. Don't move on from that. You can move on and support the team and focus on that. But if there are people in the Arsenal universe who can affect change and push the envelope here to let people know how unacceptable this is, we've got to keep doing that. And you know what, Peter's not good enough. For years it's been happening. How does change come about? It's like racism. Oh, you know, there you go. No, it's wrong. We've got to stop all of this. Look what Arsenal had to do over the weekend when they're supporting the Gay Gunas group, getting abuse from people. No, change has to happen. Only change can make things better. And we have to keep fighting for it and we have to keep pushing for it and we have to be vocal about it. That doesn't mean that we're not focusing on our team and supporting our team and giving them all the courage that they need and all the support they need to go on and play um, good football to hopefully close this deal. It's tough enough as it is being Arsenal. The world is against us. We know this. But when officials are against you and they're paid to do a job, no, absolutely F you. We are not playing that game. So if you're still angry, if you're still mad, get the petitions going, write. This is some, you know, you can't not act in the mindset. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. Then nothing would have changed and nothing would have happened along the road of history. We have to keep trying. We got robbed at the weekend and I'm not one that sits here on this show and complains about officials and complains about things like that. But there are times where... I tell you, come on now, it's so obvious, it's so ridiculous, and it's such a mega injustice. And our team was the one that got burned. Brighton got burned. We hate Chelsea, but come on, man, they got burned. How many teams have been burned? And how many referees are there that are based up north? Guna Russ needs to come back on this show. In fact, it was a show that I think he and Fergus were on together. Maybe we'll get them back together. Where um, Guna Russ outlined how many referees are in the Premier League and how many are based up north and how many are based down south. At some point, you've got to start changing things. Why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results? We've seen that as a club. Arsene Wenger kept doing the same, 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 same thing, expecting different results. Emery towards the end, same, 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 same thing, different results. Can't have that. 
And there's so much at stake this season. We deserve better. And that is that. So look, take the pain and channel it into supporting the team, as Fergus said. Take the pain and turn it into positive energy for the boys for, for Wednesday, right? This is a game, I think, man. We win this game at home. We shut people up. We shut people up. They are waiting for us to fall. They're waiting for us to collapse. They're waiting for us to fall flat on our faces. And I swear, I hope that Arteta and this team can find a way to shut everyone up. I don't know how I'm going to take the next few weeks. There's a lot going on in life as it is. But let me tell you something, right? You can never give up. And I truly believe that what is going on in my life right now is a reflection of I will never give up on my team. We should never give up until the end. We can never give up until someone tells us there's no hope. We can never, ever, ever give up. Mikel has to be braver. He has to be bolder. He's got to trust everyone in the squad. He's got to be flexible. He needs to change things up. He's got to use that genius brain of his that we've seen all season and channel it into tweaking things and making us a little bit more unpredictable because the last two or three games, we've been very predictable. We won one, three, two. We lost one away from home and we drew one at home. So we need to keep the machine rolling. It was a bit quiet at the Emirates. I can feel the stress and the nerves. When I was there just uh, a few weeks ago, it was noisy. It was boisterous. It was all that we have seen since last season. Need to get that back a little bit as well. Okay. I wanted to thank you guys um, from the bottom of my heart for all of the kind messages that you have sent. Um, I said I'd address it at the end of the show. There's a lot going on and talking to you guys today has been really good tonic and talking to a lot of my podcast mates has been phenomenal tonic. And the messages that you guys have sent have been absolutely heartwarming and have made Tony smile and have given us a lot of strength. Just know that we've read every single one of them and we appreciate every single one of them. You guys write to me all the time and you share things that are going on in your life. We've built up a beautiful community here on the Highbury Squad. And I wanted to share with you why there haven't been as many shows, um, not just last week, but you know, a little bit since uh, the end of, of last year. And um, I'll see. Okay, I'll see you. And uh, I, um, I just want you to know that you know we're up against a massive fight, and we're going to fight it, and we're going to do the best we can. And uh, I think Tony's already fed up of me saying one game at a time. You know, one doctor's appointment at a time. I said to her for the first eighteen months, I didn't want to hear trust the process, and now I'm talking about trusting a process. I don't know what it is but we're in a world and a universe that we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart and Tony as well. Uh, and, you know, you may see some guest hosts depending on how things go over the next few weeks. Um, I will be here by hook or by crook after the Manchester City Arsenal game on Wednesday night. And the rest we will take from where we go. Thank you. 
Um, again, I've enjoyed the show tonight. Thank you to Natalie Sawyer. Thank you to Matt as well. And thank you to each and every one of you. The Highbury Squad does not exist without you guys. And seeing all of your messages um, <clears throat> over the weekend has really helped. And, uh, you know, we're up, a, we're up against a tough fight here, kids. But you know what? Just like the Arsenal, hopefully we will prevail. All right? I love you guys. And I will see you on Wednesday night where hopefully we'll be celebrating three points from the lads. We need all of them to show up. We need all of them to fight. And we need all of them to never give up until the very, very end. That's what we're going to do. And I know that's what the squaddies are going to do as well. Lots of love from Super Kev. He's covering the Merseyside derby tonight, but he was still here with you guys. Um, I'll be back Wednesday. And until then, at ease, everyone. At ease. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. <laughs>